This, this is the Buck Sexton Show, where the mission, your mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. One small thing. Make no mistake. America. Ready. Great. You're a great American. Again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Testudo, my friends. Testudo, Michael Pelka here. And actually, I'm not in the Freedom Hut, as it were. I am filling in for Buck Sexton today, happily so. Merry Christmas to those of you who celebrate the day after this Boxing Day. Uh, I am coming to you from the original free speech bunker in Chicago, Illinois. I am uh, in home, home base, visiting family and friends and honoring the memory of my dad, who passed two years ago today. But I'm here with you to celebrate the holidays, to celebrate a, a miraculous day. One of the most amazing days on record. One of the most uh, amazing days in my mind, at least. Uh, I I woke up this morning and I was like, oh, Christmas was great, but, you know, we still got some problems. We have the uh, the story that broke on Christmas Day of the tragedy of the young child from Guatemala who entered this country so deathly ill that even American medicine could not save the child. What a terrible tragedy. This young boy died after his parents took him, what, hundreds, thousands of miles from Guatemala through Central America, up through Mexico to America, and the kid was so sick that when, when we finally noticed it and saw how bad the fever was, this child could not be saved by the great American medicine. A tragedy indeed. Now we're going to see this being used as a political weapon against Donald Trump. Twice in, uh, in, in the last month, we have had children die. And but for the actions of the parents, those children would be alive today. But it's a tragedy nonetheless. So I feel terrible for that family and a terrible loss of life. But it wasn't our fault. It's not our problem, folks. And if you're going to try and pin this on Donald Trump and his policies, you're doing the wrong thing. And speaking of the president, our president, my president, your president, not Hillary Clinton. Thank you, Jesus. Donald Trump was missing today. Missing in action. It was like, why, why isn't he tweeting? He was tweeting up a storm over the weekend. He worked while Chansey, that's what we call Chuck and Nancy, while Chansey went home during the government shutdown, Donald Trump stayed in, in the White House. Donald Trump stayed in the White House and worked as much as he could. There were plans happening about a meeting with North Korea, despite the fact that North Korea is not behaving really well these days. There were discussions. Uh, there was a call to the troops, in fact. And... NBC and MSNBC and Huffington Post couldn't wait to go after Donald Trump and say, it's the first time since 2002 a sitting president hasn't visited the troops at this point in his, his presidency. It's, he's awful. Our troops deserve better. And then shortly thereafter, 
we heard about a mission, an amazing mission, possibly six weeks in the making. If you listen to a person who would know about these things, Dana Perino over at Fox News. What, first of all, what a class act Dana Perino is. But Perino explained today on The Five that in order to do what the president and first lady and their team did today, it takes weeks and weeks and weeks of planning, and it also takes a lot of secrecy. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the president going to visit the troops in Iraq. The president pulled off something, and we are so often bombarded by the mainstream media's attack on this president, calling him just a, he's unhinged, he's, he, he can't keep a secret, he can't hold anything back. Well, look at what just happened today. President Donald J. Trump and Melania Trump, the first lady, flew to Iraq to visit our troops. An amazing moment captured uh, by, by just a, a pool camera. You know, it's a video crew that goes along with the president. It's not the full press corps. Because, you know, if you had brought the full press corps up to date on this, they would have leaked this and destroyed this mission a long time ago. But just a couple hours ago in Iraq, the president walked out on stage to thunderous applause from men and women stationed there. Yes. American troops chanting USA to their commander-in-chief. That was just a great moment. And for all the people who are caught with their pants down, I'm talking to my old friend Montel Williams, who really doesn't like this president, and went after him about this, and also basically claimed that the child who died, the terminally ill child who came into this country because the parents dragged him here from Guatemala, that that was the fault of this administration. That's incorrect. But Monta Williams and Alyssa Milano both went after the president, and they used the MSNBC and NBC News stories about this president not visiting the troops. Well, I mentioned that this, this mission had taken weeks to plan, and it wasn't that easy to, to pull off. Not just keeping a secret. This was President Trump just a few hours ago talking about the mission. And he was asked about his concerns. And, of course, his first concern was for the First Lady and the people around him. First Lady, I will tell you. But if you would have seen what we had to go through with the darkened plane, with all windows closed, with no lights on whatsoever, anywhere, Pitch black, I've never seen it. I've been in many airplanes, all types and shapes and sizes. I've never seen anything like it. We're coming in, and I, I know all of the things that, that were surrounding us for safety. So did I have a concern? Yeah, I had a concern. But my bigger concern was maybe the people that were with me, certainly all of them, except I think John Bolton, he's a pretty tough guy. He's going to have it, right, John? Yeah, I do think John Bolton could have handled it. John Bolton is a tough cat. He still looks like the Lorax to me. But just a, a wonderful moment. The president going to visit the troops. And for the rest of you who couldn't believe it, 
the MSNBC crowd, the HuffPost crowd, who re- I, I, I just love that these people are exposed, that they're printed on their websites, on their Twitter accounts, for God and everybody to see the people who slammed this president and were so indignant and very upset about the fact that he hadn't caught. Well, it just does take a little bit of a plan. The trips are, are. Yeah, I'm going to try and get our buddy Dan Bongino on the phone. Dan Bongino, former Secret Service agent, knows about this. There are people out there saying, well, Donald Trump did this just because people were critical of him. MSNBC was criticizing him. No, as Bongino said online, it takes weeks, weeks in advance. Advanced teams have to go there. You know, they have to send Secret Service teams there to meet with the military commanders to set up all the protocols, safety, security protocols to happen. So this was kept a secret. This was a, a just a wonderful, wonderful moment for President Donald J. Trump. And he was, as he said, in a completely blacked out plane. They left last night and they flew all the way to Baghdad. Now, granted, Iraq is a lot safer today than it was, say, in 2002, but it's still a, not a slam dunk in terms of security. It's still not an easy deal. So for the president to get there and and get it done and pull this off in quiet, I, I saw, I think I saw the Treasury Secretary with him. I saw Sarah Huckabee Sanders there. She wrote one of the most touching things about uh, standing with one of the soldiers and he pulled the patch off his jacket arm and gave it to her. Just an amazing thing. Very amazing. Good, good on you, Mr. President, as they would say in Australia. Really good on you. Uh, we'll try and get Dan. Maybe we can get Dan Bongino to call in and talk about just what it takes to pull this off. And then we'll, we have to get to a couple of other things today because there are some wonderful things out there we need to talk about. Since it's the end of the year, I have combed the uh, news files and pulled up some of the moments that should embarrass the hell out of the mainstream media. If you follow me on Twitter, maybe you know what I'm talking about. But I've created my own version of uh, 2018's most embarrassing media moments. And, oh yeah, we're going to talk about the stock market. We're going to talk about what happened today. Because there are people among us who I I just can't believe how anti-American they are. There are people who have been exhibiting extreme schadenfreude. Schadenfreude is one of the early pure Opelka words of the day. Schadenfreude is a German word that means uh, the feeling of joy that you get at the misfortune of others. And there have been folks who experienced schadenfreude schadenfreude over the uh, stock market and the precipitous drop we have seen over the past few weeks. Now, we, we need to keep in mind that the stock market has, in fact, been on a tear since the recession of 2008, since the bottom, because of all the fiscal stimulus that was shoved down the throats of the economy and the banks by... Uh, by the Federal Reserve. 
all the stimulus and it did what it was supposed to do. It, it, it kept the, the economy going. It got people back into getting mortgages and car loans. And now 10 years later, guess what? The market has been on a tear for 10 years. Nothing goes up forever. But you heard people saying, oh, this is Trump's recession. Here it comes. The stock market's crashing. But if you read the Wall Street Journal today, you saw the reports about retail sales. You saw the story that was out there. That America's underlying economic fundamentals were rock solid. And today, the stock market told us the rest of the story. We'll get to our buddy, the capitalist pig, coming up just around the corner. I also have to talk about uh, something that happened here in Chicago. I'm not talking about the, the naming of the highway. There's a, uh, a mayoral candidate here in Chicago who wants to name a section of highway after Barack Obama. He wants to take a, a section of highway currently known as the Dan Ryan Expressway. That's an old Chicago figure, Dan Ryan. And rename it the Barack Obama Expressway. Now, there's already a chunk of I-55 in this state that's named for Barack Obama. There's a chunk of highway in California that's named for Barack Obama. But that's not good enough for these butt kissers. They want to name another section of Chicago roadways after Barack Hussein Obama. But there's an interesting story behind it. And we'll have to share that with you. So we'll get to that. You can join me on Twitter today. Apparently, uh, uh, we we are on a holiday schedule, and one of our people is not here to answer the phone. So I can't take phone calls from you guys. If you want to send me your home phone number on Twitter, I'll call you personally, and we'll do that. So go ahead. I double-dog dare you to put your home phone number on Twitter. And all of the 19,000 or so people who follow me may call you, but... Uh, we we can't do phone calls today, but we will do some Twitter polling. We'll talk more about the president in Iraq, the secret mission. We'll talk more about what the Dems have been doing. There's a new song I have to play for you, and we'll have some fun on the Buck Sexton show. Come on back. Michael Pelka in for Buck Sexton on the Buck Sexton show here. Happy, happy, happy Christmas to you and yours. Oh, I neglected to say it. I'm sorry. I feel like such a schmageggy here. <laughs> uh, happy Kwanzaa. Happy first day of Kwanzaa. And the first day of Kwanzaa, someone gave to me corn or something. I'm sorry. It's a made-up holiday, 1966. Rude, terrible person. <laughs> Keep that handy. You'll hear more of that. Yeah, the first day of Kwanzaa. <laughs> How do you say Kwanzaa with a straight face? It's made up. question. Yes, absolutely right. Uh, I'm here for Buck. Buck is uh, on holiday. Good for him. And I'm coming to you live from actually um, the banks of Lake Michigan in Chicago, the main line of Mid-America, my hometown. So I'm having fun and uh, with you. Always happy to be here with family. Over the holidays, I hope you had a chance to be with family or friends. A, a buddy of mine, and uh, you've heard him on the show, Billy Hallowell. He's a great writer in the faith world and a, just a wonderful person all around. Billy has a Friendsgiving Christmas where they get all the people who don't have family in the area and they have them over and they have like a, a Christmas dinner. 
And we had our Christmas dinner last night at one of my sister's homes in the suburbs of Chicago, a little town called Schaumburg, which is famous for a massive mall. And that's really about it. But uh, somebody dropped a sweet potato casserole in the kitchen. And I never noticed it before, but sweet potatoes went all mashed up and everything on the floor. When it hits the floor, it looks like someone ralphed. So we took pictures uh, posing as if we had been the people who ralphed the sweet potatoes. I'm sure my mother was looking down from heaven and shaking her head and going, what is wrong with you all? But maybe I'll post I should post a copy of that picture on the internets. Uh, we've got a lot to do today. We're going to get to my top five media moments of the year, top five most embarrassing media moments of the year because the mainstream media was absolutely idiotic this year. There was such competition, I had to put montages together. And uh, uh, this guy actually makes an appearance. Uh, uh, one, of, one of the biggest jack wagons ever makes an appearance in the uh, bad media moments. Remember remember that? Remember that from Governor Howard Dean, the scream that killed a presidential career? It was... Yeah, that primal scream. He makes an appearance. You didn't see much of Howard Dean this year, but when he did show up, he said really dumb things. So we'll get to that, and uh, just around the corner, we have to talk about what happened to the stock market today because it has dropped, as we all know, into bear market territory, down 20% for the year. But today, the Dow Jones Industrial Index climbed 1,086 points in one day, the largest single-day rise ever. And is that because of something the president said, or is it because of the comments in the, the Wall Street Journal about the retail industry? But the president did have thoughts about the market, and I'll play those for you. And we will pick the brain of a really smart guy. My buddy Jonathan Honig of the Capitalist Pig is going to join us live on the Buck Sexton Show. My name, Michael Pelka. Happy to be here with you. Come on back after the break. We'll talk money on the Buck Sexton program. Michael Pelka in for Buck Sexton. Buck will be back. He's having a little Christmas holiday. Good for him. God bless. Uh, I am here in... Uh, in my hometown, the main line of mid-America, Chicago, Illinois. And I have to tell you, this happened yesterday, and I wonder if it had anything to do with what happened today. This. I mean, the fact is that the economy is doing so well that they raised interest rates, and that's as a form of safety, in a way. Uh, President Obama didn't do much of that. Much easier to run when you have no interest rate. He had a very low interest rate. We had a normalized interest rate. A normalized interest rate means a lot. You know, it's good for a lot of people. They uh, have money in the bank. They get interest on their money. For many years, nobody got interest on their So the president talked about the uh, Federal Reserve. He also told people that the uh, market had some opportunities to buy. And today we saw that big buying happen. But what does it mean? Does it mean there's, uh, there's safety? Does it mean everything's good? Uh, I, I don't know. So I rely on people with common sense, people who don't just tell you all the rosy stories. They tell you the reality. And one such person is my friend, 
uh, and genius in financial world. He's called The Capitalist Pig. You can follow him on thecapitalistpig.com or follow him on Twitter. Jonathan Honig joins us. Hello, my friend. How are you? Well, I'm feeling about a thousand points better today. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Just on Christmas Eve, wow, you know, this... We, they, you know, the old saying is that when elephants are dancing, mice get trampled. And boy, we've seen <laughs> some elephants dancing these days in the stock market. First, the historic drubbing on Christmas Eve is down 600 points. And then another historic gain today. The market, the, the Dow, has never been up 1,000 points in one day. And we saw it today, 1,086 points higher. Yet still, Mike, if you can believe it, down for the month. So some, the wild swings on Wall Street continue. Yeah, so while we can be happy about today, we can also still be a little cautious because the stove is hot. You don't want to touch it just yet, maybe. <laughs> I'm just... I, just I, th- I think more than anything, Mike, you know, you, we have to put uh, today's action and just the economy writ large in a little bit of context. You know, we've, we've been in the midst of a nine-year, now put the politics aside, we've been, a bit, been in the midst of a nine-year bull market in a nine-year economic expansion, some of which occurred under the previous president, some of which occurred under the current president. So, you know, we're, this, this economic expansion just in general is, is pretty long in the tooth to begin with. Then add to that worries about rising inflation, rising interest rates, which the president had alluded to a little bit, and just generally a slowing economy and some worries about the financial sector. You know, I think what really fr- uh, frightened the market, Mike, was that news that Treasury Secretary Mnuchin had called the nation's largest banks and inquired, inquired with them on a Sunday if they had liquidity and were functioning. That, I think, uh, scared a lot of traders and investors uh, before on Christmas Eve. But today the bulls were back, and essentially we're right back where we were in the market before Christmas Eve. Still down for the month, but certainly better than we were at 8 o'clock this morning. Well, you bring up some really key points on this. And again, we're talking to Jonathan Honig, the capitalist pig. Um, I I follow Jonathan on Twitter, but I also follow him when he does his little seminars online on Saturday morning. So I appreciate that. I'm I'm learning, Jonathan. My notebook's getting bigger. Thank you. You talk about the the comments from the Treasury Secretary and how that may have spooked the market because he called the banks and said, hey, are you liquid? Do you have enough money? And we hadn't heard any questions of the stability of the banks heretofore in this latest downturn. So that spooked it. I look at some of my tech stocks because I look at the Apples and I look at the Googles and I see there had been some, uh, I guess, a loss of credibility or trust from many of us who are uh, retail investors. And, you know, we, we don't trade like the big people. And we got nervous, and Apple had been down from a big high earlier, like 240-something. And they, they bounced back a little bit today. They came back with a nice little oh. bounce. So oh, yeah. uh, Absolutely. I mean, App- Apple today, Mike, had its best day in, in five years, you can believe it. It was up about 7%. It's still down 7% year-to-date, however. And, you know, Apple is just a, it's a perfect example of really the type of stock that has led this bull market, really led the economy. You know, Mike, during the Obama years and even during uh, many of uh, President Trump's years, you know, it wasn't Ford or Alcoa 
It wasn't the manufacturing stocks that were leading this economy forward. It was the Apples and the Facebooks, and it's been the, the Amazons that have really been leading the way forward. But they are all really started to wilt in October and November. So what we've seen now in later November is December is just almost the rest of the market, and I believe the rest of the economy, catching up and slowing down. So guess a, a bit of a bounce back today, but I still think that for most investors, Mike, you know, big or small, I don't think care whether you have $1,000 or a or million dollars in the bank, I do think now is a great time for caution. You know, people spent like crazy this Christmas season. Now, maybe that's good for the economy that people are spending, but to me, it's a, it's a great sign of overconfidence, not unlike what we saw in 2006, 2007, even 2008, as the markets were wilting, people were still spending. And that's what always gets people into trouble, Mike. It's not that they pick a bad stock, but that they, they, they buy, they owe more than they have. They buy more than they have. And, and that debt is what always gets people into problem, whether it's a stock, whether it's their home, or whether it's their credit card, which is what it is this time around in the market. Well, we heard that the the Wall Street Journal today had the good numbers, the uh, positive numbers on retail and retail stocks certainly benefited today. But you bring up a really key point here. Jonathan Honig tells us if we can't afford it, you're, you're going to have problems down the road because those bills will come in in January. I just read, Jonathan, 28 percent of us are still paying for last year's Christmas expenditures. And that's never a good sign. If if more than a quarter of the people out there are still paying off credit card debt from last Christmas, I shudder to think where we will be a year from today. Yeah, and indeed, Mike, and, and, and the thing the president is right about is that interest rates are going up. Now, whether you think they should or think they, you know, that's that's a, really another discussion. Interest rates are going up. And, you know, and many of us, you know, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, before the, the financial crisis, it was really our homes, it was our mortgages where many of us had, had borrowed and, and, and kind of leveraged ourselves a, a, a bit too much. This time around, Mike, it really is the credit card. Americans have record amounts of credit card debt, and the interest on those credit cards is also at a record high. So a great New Year's resolution, again, doesn't matter if you're just getting started with the markets or whether you've got a, a lot of money in the bank, is to start to whittle down, get rid of that credit card debt. Because, you know, Mike, you can hope and aim and really try real hard to make 10, 12, 15 percent in the market where you can pay down that credit card debt, and it's like an immediate return on, on a, a principal on your bottom line. It's a great goal for anyone for the new year to, to start to put their financial house in order. And 100% with you. And it's, sometimes it takes a long time. Uh, full disclosure here, your humble announcer in his late 20s racked up $30,000 in credit card debt when I wasn't making a lot of money. It took me eight years to get out the hole. But now I will tell you, I don't live with any credit card debt and I don't live with automobile debt. I live only with a residential mortgage debt. And I will tell you, you, yeah, go ahead. And what what you find, Mike, is, is, and I'm sure and what you find is that, you know, the market is always going to be unpredictable. And a lot of indicators do suggest that there will be a recession in 2019. Look, it's inevitable that recessions do come. And what I know you would probably experience is just that feeling of safety, that feeling of security, knowing that you aren't going to have the loan, Visa, MasterCard, debt, debt collectors knocking on your door when you've got that consumer debt paid off. Quite simply, you sleep better at night, and that helps everywhere, every American these days. Well, the other thing it allows you to do, Jonathan, and it's common sense, it's very obvious, but it allows you to put money away. 
And we as Americans have not been saving. Now, I had heard, maybe you can back me up or, or uh, debunk this. Uh, America started saving again. And it appears that the millennials, the people I so often harangue, they're actually <laughs> saving and not weighing themselves down with anything other than maybe their student loan debt. Is that accurate? <laughs> well, there, there was a transformation, Mike. Again, I mean, you know, the, the more things change, the more they stay, they stay the same. In the wake of the global financial crisis, it's, you can believe it, it's, you know, 10 years ago now, there was a transformation. People tightened their belts, they paid down their debt, they started once again living uh, within their means, and to your point, they once again started saving. In the decade that's followed, we started to see that trend reverse once again. They call it the wealth effect, Mike. And it basically means that, you know, the more we have, the more we tend to spend. So as the stock market has gone up, at least up until the last couple of months, and as unemployment has continued to, to remain, uh, unemployment has remained quite strong, people have simply been spending more, kind of moving out of that recession, depression era mentality that was born after 2008 and starting once again to ring up those credit card bills. And Mike, you're right. A lot of the millennials, you know, whatever, you know, love them or hate them, a lot of them came up during the global financial crisis. So they're pretty conservative, if you can imagine, to begin with. Then again, a lot of them invested in Bitcoin, which is down about 80% or 90% this year. So this has just been a tough year, Mike, to be an investor of any sort, which another reason why you really have to keep a long-term perspective and always live within your means. Oh, that's good advice. Jonathan, should we look for, I got about a minute or so left here, should we look for anything specific? Is this uh, what they call a dead cat bounce today? Or what should we be watching for for the last few days of the year? Yeah, well, that, that's the fear, right? That dead cat bounce. This is just one day that a, re a reversal in the midst of the continued downward trend in stocks. You know, Mike, it, it, the market's down about 6% this year. It didn't get there in one day, and it's not going to reverse in one day. So what you want to see is essentially the trend continue. You want to see any stocks, whether it be the high-tech flyers or the, the utilities or even some of the energy stocks that have just been pummeled this year, begin to make some kind of a base here and move higher in a sustained fashion. We haven't seen it yet. Even today, about 1,600 stocks at new 52-week lows, only a handful at new 52-week highs. So this is a bottoming process. But one day is a great start in terms of getting the economy and hopefully the stock market back on track in 2019. Great stuff. Always, always great stuff from my friend Jonathan Honig, the capitalist pig, capitalistpig.com. Thank you, Jonathan. I hope we have uh, more record-setting days on the upside, in the green, green side great, in the new year. Great to be with you and great to be on Buck's show. Thanks so much, Mike. Thank you, sir. God bless. There he goes. Uh, really smart and measured advice always from Jonathan. You know, he doesn't play the politics game. He plays the common sense game, which is what we need to do with our money. Money doesn't have Democrat or Republican after it. And uh, I'm going to leave it at that. I have so much more to get to, but right now I have to get to a break. Mike Opelka, my name, sitting in for my friend Buck Sexton on The Buck Sexton Show. Michael Pelka in for Buck Sexton on this day after Christmas, Boxing Day. Did you return anything? Uh, I did not because pretty much I only got a couple of things and that's all I wanted. And I got what I wanted, the sweater I wanted and the, uh, the scarf I wanted and the Chicago Bears socks that I wanted. I don't need anything else. I already have enough junk. 
I have to talk about some technology today and some fun stuff today. We'll get to that next hour. And there is a one-day screening of a movie that I am going to see tomorrow, and I will encourage you to go see it too. But it's only happening one day. And I think it's going to be spectacular from Peter Jackson, the guy behind the Lord of the Rings movie. So it gives you an idea of the kind of quality it should be. But we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit later. I also have to play something for you. Uh, it might be the cringiest thing ever. I love the people who are so, so distracted by Donald Trump that they, they spend their waking hours trying to do creative things to attack the president. And this little montage from, from some of the sufferers of Trump derangement sy- syndrome caught my ear today. I can't, I'm, so, I'm smiling thinking about it. I can't even speak correctly. The Trump derangement syndrome choir and their little holiday music. Wait a second here. I have my I, I I'm in a guest studio, so you have to forgive me. I pushed the wrong button. Here's the Trump Derangement Syndrome Choir. We wish you a mother Christmas. We wish you a mother Christmas. We wish you a mother Christmas and impeachment next year. You know, kind of clever, right? Little little bit of a clever turn on some holiday classics. But then you start hearing some of the others because they all did this and then piled them up in one little montage. We wish you a mother Christmas. We wish you a mother Christmas. We wish you a mother Christmas and impeachment next year. I wish they had uh, Maxine Waters doing it because that would have been just epic. I think I have, uh, hold on a second. Yeah, let me go to this point in this clip. It's about two minutes worth. I won't give you all the bad singing, although there certainly is a ton of it. But this guy, this guy just made me smile. Them all year. Not her. This we guy. know you're in bed with Putin. We know you're in bed with Putin. We know you're in bed with Putin because your treason is clear. You're- <laughs> How do you not laugh at these people? And they're all smiling and their little faces. Some of them have their Santa hats and holding up their doggies and singing. The treason is clear. We wish you a mother Christmas. We wish you a mother Christmas. We wish you a mother Christmas. And impeachment next year. It's just beautiful. Please clap. I, I've tweeted out a link to that. If you follow me on Twitter, at StuntBrain, you can see it. Originally sent to me by the very funny Kate Hyde, who is uh, at Kate Hyde of New York. Just a wonderful little turn, and especially on a day where you have the President of the United States pulling off a secret mission to go visit the troops, and you have the stock market setting a record. The one-time massive bounce over a 1,000 points in one day. It's just a remarkable thing. All right. Busy first hour, even busier second and third hours coming up. I did not get to the Women's March news. I didn't get to the Obama Highway news, which there is Obama Highway news here in Chicago. Let's just name all the interstates Barack Obama, right? Why not? You know, Forget that Dwight Eisenhower was the guy behind that. Let's just call it all Obama. Because after all, nothing he did ever went wrong, ever. Fast and Furious. I could go on and on and on. But the uh, the beautiful story here. Then there's also a question. Did Barbie get heavy? 
I got a really strange question today about Barbie gaining weight. Not that I have a Barbie doll collection. I'm not Richard Simmons. He has one. He's got quite a few, apparently. Uh, we'll get into all this next on the Buck Sexton Show. Come on back. It is not Buck Sexton. It is Mike Opelka, Buck's buddy, and uh, my my friend Buck Sexton having a little bit of a holiday break. Merry Christmas to you. Hopefully, you celebrated Christmas. If you didn't, you've already had your holiday if you celebrated Hanukkah. And that was a while ago, a couple weeks ago. It didn't run concurrently this year. We didn't have Chrismaka this year. We had uh, Hanukkah first, then Christmas. Oh, I almost forgot. It's Kwanzaa. Happy first day of Kwanzaa. No, not going to get into that again. Made up holiday. Yeah, I know. A lot of people say so it celebrates the, the good things of African tradition. Well, we're, we're, we're not. Uh, let's not get into it. Christmas is about the birth of Jesus. And uh, as Mother Teresa taught us, the joy of Christmas, the J is Jesus, the O is others, and the Y, the last thing is you. And speaking of, of Jesus, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez Maybe, you know, a day after she gets my agreement. I actually agreed with what she said about shutting down the government and the people who should be penalized first are the people who shut it down, meaning the members of Congress, the House and the Senate, should not be getting paid when they can't get their act together and keep the government open. And so, you know, she's saying that those people shouldn't get paid. Which the kind of funny part of this is in just eight days when the uh, Democrats take over the House, if the government still shut down and she had her way, she would not be getting paid. And she's the one who said, well, you, uh, I can hardly I can't get an apartment in Washington, D.C. because I don't have enough money and I'm only going to be making one hundred seventy four thousand dollars a year. And I just thought I won't be able to find an apartment. Give me a break. But wouldn't it be ironic if the new Congress said if the government is shut down, the first people who won't be paid are the people who made the shutdown happen? Then they'd keep the government open. And let's not forget that it's not a government shutdown. Something like 88% of the government is already funded, so people are getting paid, and the people who might even be getting a delayed payment will get paid i heard somebody on cnn talking about uh talking about the fact that the kennedy gift shop at the kennedy museum was closed and she said well that means the person who works in the gift shop the uh, the kid who runs the cash register at the gift shop won't won't be getting their 40 to 50 thousand dollar year check and i thought wait Wait a minute. The kid who runs the gift shop is getting 40 to 50 grand? A kid who is a clerk, a retail clerk at a gift shop? If we're paying people 40 to 50 grand to be the checkout clerk at the gift shop, do you need a better example of why government does not need to be involved in things like retail? The waste of money. Oh, we'll get into government waste of money. John Stossel, who I just appreciate his journalistic skills so much, exposed a, um, 
a controversy about government spending in New York that is just going to, it'll make your blood boil. But back to what I was saying about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She tried to politicize the death of this Guatemalan child. The Guatemalan child who uh, tragically passed away after mommy and daddy dragged the child 2,000 miles. And the kid was so sick, even American medicine couldn't save the child's life. And Ocasio-Cortez tried to take Christmas and the birth of Jesus and the celebration of the birth of Jesus and politicize it, saying that, you know, Jesus and Mary and Joseph, they were, they were refugees coming to America. I guess she are coming to, <laughs> to Bethlehem, America. Uh, she, um, she tried to put a political spin on it and compare Jesus to the refugee child who perished. And she's so wrong on this because if you read your Luke gospel, I realize some of the other gospels have a slightly different interpretation, but the one that uh, I've always followed is that that uh, Joseph and Mary had had to go for a census. And by the time they got to Bethlehem, uh, there was no room at the inn, if you will, and so they took the stable out back. But stop trying to politicize a tragedy that obviously uh, has no connection to the tragedy or the politics. And also joining Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, a guy who the Democrats have a lot of hopes resting on Beto O'Rourke. I want to call him Beto so we can take Michael Jackson, beat it and do a parody, you know, Beto, Beto. You know, we could do something with Beto, Beto, but Beto, Beto doesn't work. But uh, Beto O'Rourke has already tried to politicize the death of this child. This is what he said today. It's just tragic. Um, and we're thinking about his family right now. Um, just uh, what they must be feeling to have lost their child on Christmas Day. Uh, to be in, in a strange country and not to know what, what's next for them. Uh, so we want to do everything we can to help that family. I've reached out to Customs and Border Protection to find out what happened and then what we can do to be helpful to the family. I'm still waiting to hear back from them. I yeah, you're going to politicize this because you want to be president. You want to run in 2020. And so you're going to use every effort you can to bring up the children. And the, you know what's going to happen out of this? Here's the other shame of what's going to happen out of this. It's a horrible tragedy. This child died, and forever the parents will remember Christmas. Every time they celebrate Christmas, they're going to think about their child who passed away. That child had to be sick for some time. That child probably was sick over the entire course of their travel from Guatemala to the border in America. Really sick. Sick enough to die at a young age. It's a horrible situation. And as I said, mom and dad are going to remember it forever. Every Christmas, there'll be an empty chair. But, you know, there are millions of Americans, myself included, my family included, who've lost relatives on holidays. And every time that holiday comes around, it's hard not to think about that person. My dad passed away two years ago today. And Christmas is never the same when you lose a relative. So 
to politicize this, I think is offensive. But here's the other flip side of this. And here's what I want you to pay attention to, because I guarantee you're going to see this happen. What happens now? What happens now to all the people coming across the border, all the people who are demanding or, or asking for asylum, not just the people who break through illegally, but the people who go to the port of entry and fill out the paperwork and then want to have their case adjudicated before an immigration judge? What happens to them now because of this situation and the tragedy of the child who died a couple weeks ago, two children in a month? Because of that, now we are going to be giving physicals virtually to every person who comes in. We used to check people at Ellis Island and, and the East Coast when people came to America on the East Coast. We had the immigration processing station at Ellis Island where everybody went through. And in the early part of the 20th century, because we were terrified of disease coming into this country or people bringing horrible diseases to this country we used to kind of check them over and sometimes they'd be sent back so if you didn't have uh, the right paperwork or your health was in question you would not be let off ellis island and onto the american mainland you would be sent home or you would maybe be put in a clinic there if your problem was minor but now we're saying that the customs and border patrol is going to have to basically become a medical facility and these people are going to be getting free physicals now i'm i'm all happy that we're going to try and be good to people and take care of people but what about the people here now are we going to be able to say that uh that we should be giving care care to all those people too should everybody this is another plea for medicare for all and they're going to show you that uh People who are coming into the country are going to have to be given physicals. So why can't we be giving government physicals to everybody? It's a very slippery slope, and they're using the tragedy of this child to try, to try and move their agenda forward yet again. Yet again. So um, I, just, I, I just get so angry when I see Democrats doing this. They're taking a tragedy... And politicizing it, and yet the people who are being victimized by these these insensitive bastards, they will get no no uh, pushback. As a matter of fact, they'll be elevated. So that's my little rant on the border. I, I'm totally against this. And you know what this reminds me of? I wonder if John has this queued up. Uh, there was a time when Democrats did want the border protected. Because they realized that uh, it was very expensive. It was really expensive to just open the borders and let people in. And it was back in the 90s that a senator, a Democratic senator, railed against what was happening on the borders in California. And uh, in a debate, as she was running for election, she brought up the reality, the fiscal reality of the borders. John, if you have the Diane Feinstein clip, go ahead and roll it here. I think we can enforce our borders. I think we should enforce our borders. To have a situation 
where 40% of the babies born on Medicaid in California today are born of illegal immigrants creates a very real problem for the state, which is in deficit. Okay, of course you can seven, enforce the borders. Let me finish. I agree. We have 17% of our prison population at a cost of 300 million a year the illegal immigrants who come here and commit felonies that's not what this nation but is all about that will be 25 years old next year that clip diane feinstein a democratic senator talking about the fiscal impact and the impact that illegals make on the economy in california you think 300 million was probably a drop in the bucket compared to the billions that are being spent now. The billions in medical, education, welfare, everything that goes now in California. And the next thing that's going to happen is the vote. So uh, just understand that when a politician speaks left and right, they generally are saying whatever they have to say to get you to vote for them again. Just throwing that out there. Feinstein, all of them, and make me angry. Michael Pelka sitting in for Buck Sexton. When we get back, I bring you good news, people of Earth. There is a study that shows that alcohol and coffee can make you live past 90. Alcohol and coffee, people of Earth, good news. And 70% of America had sex on Christmas Day. That's another one we have to get to, and I'll, I'll try and dig deep into that. Michael Pelka, as I said, filling in for my friend Buck Sexton on The Buck Sexton Show. Fake news. Fake news. Fake news. Fake, 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 fake news. Yes, it is fake news. I got I, I got caught dancing <laughs> to the fake news theme. Michael Pelka in for Buck Sexton on this day after Christmas. Hope you had a Merry Christmas. Hope you're making plans for a big new year, especially after a day like we had today. You should feel good about what's going on in the world. You should feel good about, I, I think, the leadership that was on display since the government shutdown. Since the shutdown, what is this, day six now? Since the government shutdown, uh, the, the person who said, I will take the mantle, Donald John Trump, stayed in D.C. He was reportedly headed to Mar-a-Lago for 16 days. That's what CNN kept saying. 16 days he was going to go to Mar-a-Lago and play golf while the government sat shut down. 22% of the government, so not really a big deal. And as we talked about earlier, the part of the government that actually pays people, like the guy that runs the gift shop for the Kennedy Museum, that guy was going to get his uh, $50,000 held back. Why are we paying somebody a gift shop fifty grand? I really want to know more about that story, but this uh, this is so irritating to me. Uh, I, I'm I'll get over it. I know, but Donald Trump did did not leave the White House, and he tweeted up and down all over since then. He even sat with the first lady, and they took calls from kids who were uh, waiting for Santa and wanting to uh, track stuff. And there there was more fake news about that. Did you see that story? 
that story needs to be uh, explained as well. The president and the first lady, for the second year in a row, sat and took phone calls from kids who were wanting to track Santa Claus. And the president talked to one seven-year-old, and the media lost its mind. Absolutely lost their mind. Because Donald Trump, talking to this kid, said, do you still believe in Santa? Because it's seven, it's marginal, right? And the media went absolutely banana, bat crap crazy. I think I've got it here. Hello? Is this Coleman? Well, Merry Christmas. So the president and the first lady sit in front of a fire. Somebody screened a bunch of calls from kids calling Santa. And this is a young girl, seven years old, named Coleman. And uh, the president says, Merry Christmas, Coleman. And the kids, you know, answering and being very polite. The the media finally got the uh, audio from the other side of the conversation. But this is what ticked them off so badly. How are you? How are you doing? How old are you, Coleman? Seven. Wow, that's pretty good, right? Is everything good? You're doing well in school? That's great. What a horrible man asking a child, are you doing good in school? What a terrible Stupid man. question. Yeah, yeah. He asks, are you, he's showing parental concern. What are you going to do for Christmas? The kid's talking about Santa, putting out cookies. Well, that's very good. You just have a good time. Are you still a believer in Santa? Because at seven, it's marginal, right? So what you can't hear, because the idiots in the press corps who keep taking pictures, and don't the cameras have silent mode? You can put your camera in silent mode. And do you need 50,000 pictures of the president doing the same thing? He's talking on the phone. Anyway, he said, do you still believe in Santa? Because it's, it's marginal at seven, right? The media lost their mind. Kid didn't know what marginal meant. Everybody just calm down. But uh, we've got more on the president doing good things and the fake news media trying to destroy him. Coming up next on the Buck Sexton Show with Michael Pelka hanging out with you. Come on back. Well, Buck does stop occasionally. Like for holidays or his birthday, which I think, I think it's coming up Friday. I think Buck Sexton's birthday is this Friday, so we have to plan a a special Buck Sexton birthday. What do you get the guy who has everything? He's got a TV show. He's got a radio show. He's got that hair. Maybe you get him. I, I know what you could get, Buck Sexton. And this sounds like a suck up, and it is. You could download the podcast for that day. That would be a good thing. (laughs) You could download the podcast today. You know, because of me, Mike Opelka, hanging out in the uh, Chicago Free Speech Bunker, the original home of the Pure Opelka Free Speech Bunker here in Chicago, Illinois. Happy to be here celebrating the holidays with my family. And uh, boy, what a day. We woke up this morning and everybody was going, oh, we got to go back to work after Christmas. We had the horrible, 
downturn in the market for the last few weeks. And then we have the stock market jump 1,083 points today, an all-time record. Amazing. We talked to Jonathan Honig, the capitalist pig, about it last hour, and he was explaining that uh, that this is a, this is a good thing, but don't think we are out of the woods just yet. Don't think it's all clear. Because the economy has been so good for so long that we have to make sure that all the fundamentals stay fundamentally strong. And we had a great retail Christmas. You saw people like Walmart have a spike. You saw Amazon, which does a lot of retail business, have a spike. And uh, we hope those fundamentals stay strong. The president reportedly going to meet with the Fed chairman when he gets back from his surprise visit to the troops. And maybe we'll have a little bit of a change in the Fed policy. I don't think I don't think so. The Fed, the Fed was very aggressive this year trying to keep inflation in control, and they seem to have done that. And they've also said that next year, maybe two increases in the in the prime lending rate. We saw four this year, and that contributed somewhat to the slowdown in the market. But the market also is the market. Nothing goes up forever. So getting back to why the president won't meet with the Fed chair until he gets back, because he went to Iraq in a super secret mission. And I was listening to some of his remarks to the troops while he was there. Let me give you just a little sample of what the president said while he was with our troops in Iraq. Surprise visit. America shouldn't be doing the fighting for every nation on Earth, not being reimbursed in many cases at all. If they want us to do the fighting, they also have to pay a price. And sometimes that's also a monetary price. So we're not the suckers of the world. See, I don't mind this. A lot of my friends who are uber liberals are upset with the president's tone. He went to visit the troops. He shook hands. He took pictures. He hung out. And then he gave a little speech. He laid out some policy. And I don't mind that at all. I don't mind the president of the United States saying, yeah, we're strong and we'll try and take care of people and help people where we can. But, you know, we don't want to be suckers. I, I think he was just fine. He added a little more. We're no longer the suckers, folks. And people aren't looking at us as suckers. And I love you, folks, because most of you are nodding your head this way. We're respected again as a nation. We're respected again. America is safer and peace is more possible because of the incredible courage and devotion of every patriot here tonight. Some people say, well, maybe somebody comes from the area and they hit us on our homeland. If that happens, they will suffer consequences over here like nobody has ever suffered before. I don't mind that either. I don't mind the president of the United States telling our troops that if somebody comes and tries to do what was done to us on September 11th, that we will come back and we will deliver a punch that is going to make anyone else think twice. Donald Trump's a counterpuncher. He's always said he was a counterpuncher. 
But this was a, this was a lot of fun. All right, a little bit more from the president. Yeah, they like Let what me he just said. Tell you. And I hope they hear that loud and clear. And that's not a threat. That's going to be a fact. If anything should happen at all, no. That's not that's not a threat. That's a fact. Nobody will ever have suffered the consequences that they will suffer. Just remember, I said it. We will honor you. Welcome. You're welcome. We will honor your service by doing everything in our power to defend our homeland and to stop terrorists from entering America's shores. And he's going to deliver a little bit of a message about the wall. And I like this, too. And that includes strengthening of our borders. I don't know if you folks are aware of what's happening. We want to have strong borders in the United States. The Democrats don't want to let us have strong borders. Only for one reason. You know why? Because I want it. He's not wrong. We played the clip from Dianne Feinstein from 1994 where she talked about America protecting its borders and why we need to do it. We've played clips from Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and Hillary Clinton who all talked about, and Barack Obama, the need for strong borders. They've all voted for wall funding. But the only reason they don't want it now, the main reason, is because of who's in the White House. If I said, you know, I think just standing here looking at all these brilliant young faces, these warriors, you're warriors. You know, you're modern-day warriors. That's what you are. But you gave me an idea just looking at this warrior group. I think I'll say, I don't want the wall. And then they're going to give it to me. I figured out the solution. First lady. Yeah, he's going to use a little reverse psychology. I love the fact that the president went to Iraq. Again, they pulled this off. I, I I would love to get some inside perspective on this, and maybe we will in the last hour, to give you an idea of just what it takes to pull off this mission and how much planning Dana Perino said it was at least six weeks. Six weeks. And they had to get all of the people who were involved in the pool the pool reporters who would be going with to agree to be quiet the entire time. The fact that nothing leaked, spectacular. Just just amazing. The fact that the president is there, even more spectacular. But again, the fun part of this is looking at what MSNBC and the Huffington Post and other outlets have done just today talking about the fact that this was the first time any president since 2002 did not visit the troops. This is, <laughs> this is just a wonderful bit of schadenfreude to see these people being dragged through their own words. And I, I know, I know I'm not supposed to do it, but I, I'm, I'm reveling in seeing what idiots they turned out to be. All right, we talked about idiots. Now we need to talk about some incredible people. I do have another idiot to get to, and we will, we will get to uh, the idiot who is Hank Johnson because that relates to the border story, and we got to go back to the border story a little bit later. But I want to get into a story, a good story, about somebody who understands the real meaning of Christmas, 
someone who understands the meaning of sacrifice. I'm talking about a young man. And I, again, I give the millennials a hard time all the time. I'm sorry if you are a good millennial, but there are so many of your kind who gave us the man bun and some of the other hipster crap that's out there. But in the case of Brady Singer, he was the 18th person taken in the recent Major League Baseball draft. And he was a guy who, uh, a pitcher, has yet to make it into the big leagues, but he signed a deal with the uh, Kansas City Royals. He got a $4.5 million signing bonus. And what did Brady Singer do with his signing bonus? Well, a letter that he wrote to his mom and dad explains everything. And you've probably seen this because it's all over the media. But it's just spectacular. This is mom reading the letter from their child. Dear mom and dad, I just want to say thank you for everything you've done to help me reach my dreams. From Woodley Field to Coffin <laughs> There's absolutely no way I could have done all this by myself. Both of you constantly took off of work and spent every dime you made just to put a smile on my face. My smile and appreciation for both of you has never stopped and it never will. I will always remember traveling around Florida for baseball, trying to cheaply eat and save money, but I never could because you both always wanted me to have the best stuff to help me pursue my dreams. The money you both... So that story, just that part of the story, is gut-wrenching enough. And it makes your eyes water. I know, I've, I've got a little tear in my eye. As this mom talks about their kid realizing everything they did from Little League to now Kauffman Stadium where the Royals will play if he makes the team. And he probably will. The kid's a pretty good pitcher. But this letter, this letter explains that he gets what mom and dad have done and what so many moms and dads everywhere do for their kids. They do everything they can to make their kids have an incredible life. And now comes the gift. I spent on traveling, gear, hotel, food, and all of those Gatorades I drank is much more than I could ever give you. But there was something I want to give to you. She's a little stunned at what she's reading. And the kid is videotaping this. I am paying off the loan from the bank. Also, I paid off all your debt as well. What? Now, instead of trying to save money every weekend to replace the savings account you drained on traveling to play baseball, you can spend it on yourselves. Because you deserve the very best, I want you both to know how much I appreciate you and how none of this would be possible without you. Your giving hearts helped to shape my tiny dream into a reality. I love you both more than you could ever imagine and will never forget what you both have done. Now, let Amazing. Amazing, a young man on the cusp of success as a pro athlete. And we've seen it before, kids who buy their mom's homes, but this is the moment when you get to see the parents' reaction. It's a great Christmas gift. If you haven't seen it, I've tweeted out a link to Brady Singer. It's bsinger51 on the Twitter. You should see it. Well done, sir. Well done. Michael Pelka in for Buck Sexton on the Buck Sexton Show. We got more of the politics, and we're going to poke some fun at the media for the dumb things they did in 2018. We'll dive into some of that next on the Buck Sexton Show. 
Michael Pelka in for Buck Sexton. Uh, Buck is uh, taking a little PT, a little personal time, and he's got a birthday coming up this Friday. I uh, I have no idea where he's going to be for his birthday, so don't ask me. I don't think there's a big party. You know, Buck, he'll uh, he'll do it quietly, I'm sure, among the millions in NYC. If he were in Chicago, I would invite him to join me tonight. Uh, this was the weirdest thing. I'm in Chicago, as I've mentioned before, hanging out with family and a few friends and uh, staying at a hotel because I don't want any member of the family to feel jealous that I didn't stay stay at their house. So I just try and, you know, don't show favorites. Also like hotels a lot. Uh, and I got up this morning and under the door of my hotel were two tickets to a concert that's going on tonight. And I'm like, wait a minute, what is this? And I looked down, and in big, bold letters on the ticket are Bon Jovi, The Scorpions, Def Leppard, and Poison. I'm thinking, wow, that's a, that's a big show. A tribute to 80s metal, Bon Jovi, The Scorpions, Def Leppard, and Poison. And something then is wrong with this. Obviously, something very wrong with this. When you realize the word tribute, this means this is a bunch of tribute bands. So it's not going to be like Def Leppard. It's going to be like Fred Leppard or something or Band Jovi. It won't be Bon Jovi. So this is tribute bands. But why were these put under my door? Why have I been given a pair of tickets to an 80s hair band extravaganza? <laughs> I'm not going, needless to say, but somebody will. Uh, I, I will get to the uh, mainstream media's most embarrassing moments of the year, but I have to give you something that irritated me. We talked about politicizing tragedy and how Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Beto O'Rourke have, or, have already tried to do it. But uh, Hank Johnson, congressman from the 4th District in Georgia, was trying to make a point with Secretary Nielsen, Homeland Security Secretary Nielsen, last week when this exchange happened. How many children 17 years old or younger have died in DHS, ICE, or CBP custody since you took office? Uh, I will get back to you on that figure. What I can tell you is that we have saved 4,200 migrants who are out well, distress. Approximately their- how many have died? I understand your question, sir. I will get back to you. Can you give me an approximate figure? I, I will get back to you. I'm not going to guess under oath. I love Nielsen for saying this. I'm not going to give you a, an approximate, sir. Not under oath. And this guy's just looking for some sort of gotcha moment. Because that's what these hearings are about, both left and right. But this guy's adult. If you don't know who Hank Johnson is... He keeps getting reelected, especially after saying idiotic things like this about Guam. My, my fear is that uh, the whole island will uh, become so overly populated that it will tip over and, uh, and capsize. Uh, we don't anticipate that. The, uh, the Guam population, I think, currently about 175. I love this admiral. Just trying to give an answer to this idiot. What's dumber, though? Hank Johnson, the guy who thinks Guam could flip over? Or the people who keep reelecting him? Michael Pelkin for Buck Johnson. Uh, Buck Johnson? Who's he? Buck Sexton. Come on back. 
It is the Buck Sexton Show. Michael Pelka sitting in for my friend Buck Sexton. Merry Christmas to you and yours. Hope you're ramping up for uh, New Year's uh, to the two of you in the country celebrating a happy Kwanzaa. You know, first day of Kwanzaa. Started in 1966. What a... uh, I'm not going to get into it. I have breaking news. Donald Trump lands at U.S. base in Germany for refueling, plans to meet troops stationed there. So not only did the president surprise us with the trip to Iraq and the visit with the troops, uh, the president and the first lady and their contingent have now landed in Germany, and there will be another stop and another visit with the troops. I think that's spectacular. And it's another finger in the eye of MSNBC, NBC, The Huffington Post, uh, Alyssa Milano, my old buddy Montel Williams, who all were crowing about this president hasn't visited the troops. The first president since 2002 not to visit the troops. Well, we've changed that one, haven't we? So good for you, Mr. President. Good for you. And uh, also today, what a remarkable day. The president uh, seeing the market sort of rebound. Now, will the stock market continue? Is this the base? Did we finally have a bottom in the market that we saw firm up today? A thousand point jump today. One thousand point rise, a record setting. In any single day, this is the most. And it's got to be killing people who were counting on the market. And imagine people wishing for the stock market to tank. Imagine people, there are, because there are people who dislike this president so much that they want the stock market to, to take a giant dump and basically kill the retirement of so many millions of Americans. Just insanity. But that's where we are with Trump derangement syndrome. So uh, I hope this this is the uh, the sign the market's firming up. If you read the Wall Street Journal, and you should, by the way, it's not just about the stock market. I think some of the stuff in the Wall Street Journal is the best reporting on every topic you could want from movies, food and and just crazy stories that you never hear about in, in mainstream media. But the market. It was a reflection of what we read about in the Wall Street Journal the last couple of days, saying that the retail environment is so strong. The underlying fundamentals of the retail environment were driving a lot of what happened on Wall Street today. So good good for you, Wall Street. Good for you, American economy. And uh, ha-ha to all the people who are poo-pooing what uh, America's economy is doing. So I'm very happy about that. Uh, by the way, there are pictures coming out now, and this has got to kill CNN, too. CNN is being forced to show troops uh, bringing Trump hats to have the president sign their hats. But what does CNN do? Instead of focusing on the fact that the president made this giant secret trip to the Middle East, to Iraq, to support our troops and have the First Lady with him. And they're showing pictures of the troops holding up 
the hats that they brought, the Make America Great hats, the red hats. You know what we're talking about. And he's signing some of the hats for some of these soldiers. Volunteers, I might remind you. People who are away from their families, their wives, their girlfriends, their boyfriends, their babies. Putting their butts on the line. And what does CNN focus on? Donald Trump made his first visit to a war zone, received an enthusiastic reception, and some of these soldiers may have violated military rules by asking the president to sign their Trump hats. What is wrong with you, CNN? You are a giant agua fiesta, as we used to call people in Texas. You are a giant wet blanket. President signing Make America Great Again hats, an embroidered patch that reads 2020. Will the DOD actually get upset about this? He's your president. He's their commander. And uh, you've already got retired Rear Admiral John Kirby, who's on CNN all the time saying, uh, uh, this is a campaign slogan, it's a campaign item, it's completely inappropriate for troops to do this. Give me a break. I, I, I rolled my eyes. So far back, I saw my own brain when I read this. Thank you, Kirby, you toad. And CNN is, this transitions into uh, my, my take on the mainstream media. The mainstream media in 2018 embarrassed themselves. Embarrassed themselves beyond belief. And so I combed through my files, my audio files, to find what I consider to be the top five most embarrassing moments of the mainstream media from 2018. And I compiled them here for you, and I will count them backwards from number five to number one for you. And maybe even do it in Casey Kasem fashion, as the late Casey Kasem would have done. Guy made a fortune counting backwards. So you may disagree with me. You may agree with me. But uh, we, we will focus on the mainstream media. I will get to wag my finger at them and say, shame on you, you toads. So coming in at number five is the mainstream media's obsession with what they believe are bombshell reports that they hope will sink the president. Here's number five. A bombshell report. This is a bombshell. This is a bombshell. This bombshell. Drop the bombshell. Drop the bombshell. The bombshell. That's a bombshell. Yeah, this latest bombshell. Who put out that bombshell? Bombshell accusation. Bombshell accusation. Well, that was the bombshell. I could have used, uh, in, in conjunction with bombshell, also, the walls are caving in. Or this is the beginning of the end. I can't tell you how many times bombshell report was joined by... The walls are caving in or the beginning of the end. And yet here we are, two years into the presidency. And some of those came from early 2017, right after the inauguration. A bombshell report, another bombshell. Well, if you thought that was an embarrassing moment, the mainstream media was tripping all over itself all last year to try and elevate the status of one of the weaseliest characters I think I've ever seen in the political spectrum. The guy who 
managed to uh, corral Stormy Daniels and represent her in her efforts to go after Donald Trump. And then he also tried to take down Judge Kavanaugh before he became Justice Kavanaugh. Of course, I'm talking about the one, the only, the super slimy Michael Avenatti. So coming in at number four on the media's most embarrassing moments of 2018, here's the Avenatti factor. Hide your children, hide your loved ones. You know my first guest tonight from television. Please welcome Michael Avenatti. Joining me now is Stormy Daniels, attorney Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti is with us now. Michael Avenatti joins us now. Now we've got the man who put her in front of the cameras, her attorney, Michael Avenatti. And joining me now from Los Angeles is Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti. Michael, the guy was given more free media time by every single liberal outlet. Everyone. And it was relentless as long as he could provide some kind of smear that they could slap on the president they were willing to forgive whatever Michael Avenatti was really all about. And after the Kavanaugh stuff, I think that was his downfall. We hear reportedly Avenatti had to sell his Ferrari in order to pay off his considerable debts. And then there were the allegations of uh, domestic abuse. So I don't know where those stand right now, so I won't comment on those. But the fact that this guy went from slimy lawyer to actual 2020 Democratic possible nominee is beyond embarrassing to the mainstream media. But that was only number four. Moving up a, a notch to number three is the relentless character assassination that the mainstream media tried to slap on the president of the United States. And it really was relentless. It was it was ridiculous. It was nonstop. They went after every single kind of slam or insult they could. And so at number three for 2018's most embarrassing moments from the mainstream media, here's the media attacking the president. It's obviously a racist. He's obviously a demagogue. He obviously condones anti-Semitism. That's what happened in Nazi Germany. It's not even a question of whether it's presidential behavior or not. It's not minimally human behavior. This has now become a struggle about good versus evil. And the president of the United States is evil. Howard Dean, the last voice you heard there was former DNC chair and governor Howard Dean calling the president of the United States evil. And as you hear that, as, as you're hearing that news, the president is on a, uh, a very difficult trip that he and the first lady took from the United States to Iraq to visit our troops. And then now they're in Germany refueling, stopping and visiting the troops again after they spent time working all through the Christmas holiday while Chuck and Nancy, Chancy as we call them, and all the Democrats went home. And Howard Dean, the guy who, remember, scuttled his own political career with this scream after a, after a win, I think, in Iowa. Ah! That primal scream killed Howard Dean's political career. And now he's out there saying the president of the United States is evil. Evil! But you know what the media co considers now worse than President Trump? This is remarkable to me. 
The mainstream media in the second most embarrassing moments from 2018, it's in a montage where we had the mainstream media deciding if they can't have a bombshell, walls caving in, beginning of the end attack on the president, if Michael Avenatti can't bring him down, if they can't call him a racist, misogynist, whatever else they called him, if that can't bring him down, then they have to turn their laser weapons on you and I or anyone who voted for the president. The second most embarrassing moment in the media, the mainstream media of 2018, at least for me, was when the media decided that you and I were the problem. At number two, here's the mainstream media embarrassing itself by calling us, Trump voters, evil. We can no longer say Trump's the bad guy. If you vote for Trump, you're the bad guy. Tens of millions of people voted for him. Are you suggesting that they're racist or they're... Yes. The, yes. The, the, the people who vote, all the people who voted for Donald Trump are racist. Yes. If you vote for Trump, then you, the voter, you, not Donald Trump, are standing at the bar, border like Nazis. Those people who are supporting what he's doing here are racist, period. Period. Thank you, meathead. That was Rob Reiner, director Rob Reiner, saying that anybody who voted for Donald Trump is racist, period. Second most embarrassing group of media moments from 2018. We'll get to number one just around the corner. But first, I need to tell you about Global Verification Network, the only dual certified veteran owned background investigations and vetting company. Go to mygvn.com. Do it. MyGVN.com, 877-695-1179. This is a federally certified veteran-owned small business organization, independently certified by the National Veteran Business Development Council, which is the only minority spend certification recognized by the Billion Dollar Roundtable. Headquartered here in Chicago, where I am today, with offices throughout the nation, They are risk mitigation experts. They work with startups all the way up to Fortune 100s. No client data information is ever offshored. All employees are located throughout the United States. Don't forget it. MyGVN.com, the uh, only dual certified veteran-owned background investigations and vetting company, the Global Verification Network. Michael Pelka in for my buddy, Buck Sexton. Michael Pelka here for uh, Buck Sexton tonight on the uh, night after Christmas. Hope you had a great Christmas. Hope you had a great holiday so far and that the new year is going to bring you prosperity and joy and happiness. We've been talking about all the news of the day, including the breaking news of the president's surprise trip to the, the troops in Iraq and now in Germany And just the remarkable day on Wall Street with a record-setting bump of 1,083 points today. Huge. And uh, last break, we were beginning our countdown of the top five most embarrassing moments in the media of 2018. And there have been a lot. But we had a montage of the mainstream media obsessed with saying a bombshell report about Donald Trump, a bombshell from the Mueller camp, a bombshell. And then we heard about uh, the way they constantly talk about the beginning of the end and the walls are closing in and this is all falling apart. It's just maddening. 
And at number four was Michael Avenatti, the elevation of this. He would be what we would have called an ambulance chaser in the past, an attorney who just chases up sleazy cases. And he actually was given serious consideration as a 2020 presidential candidate for the Democrats, saying he's got to be the guy who's not afraid of Donald Trump. And at number three, the mainstream media's constant denigration of the president, saying he's a racist, misogynist, all the stuff that just doesn't have any backup to it. Number two, the mainstream media went after you and went after me because they couldn't take down the president. They, their attacks were falling short. So now they focused on isolating you and I and saying that anybody who voted for Donald Trump was a racist. This is pure Saul Alinsky. Go and get Rules for Radicals. And over the break, reread Rules for Radicals. You'll see how the left uses all this. Perfect Alinsky tactics. At least they're trying to use it that way. But the number one most offensive media moment came from a, a CNN host who I watch just because I want to see uh, how ridiculous he is. And I want to call him out when uh, his uh, Bravo Sierra needs to be called out. And so this is my number one pick for the mainstream media's most embarrassing moment of 2018. It comes from a guy who has his own show and has paid just a ton of money to host a nightly show on CNN. It comes from the one and only Don Lemon at number one with the most embarrassing media moment of 2018. Here's Don Lemon. The biggest terror threat in this country is white men, most of them radicalized right up to the right. And we have to start doing something about them. Wait, what, 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 what? The most, the biggest threat to America is white men radicalized white men is the biggest threat and most of them have been radicalized and that we have to do something about them what 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 would you have us do don lemon what would you have us do this i remind you this same don lemon who on new year's eve gets hammered on cnn gone to the chapel that bowl and you're gone again you look very handsome Happy New Year. Oh, we, we have, have to, to go. go. Hey, we hope you... So Don Lemon's hammered on CNN every New Year's Eve, and he gets to do his job while he's drunk. And he's allowed to say that the biggest problem in America are the white males. Something to remember about Don Lemon. His boyfriend, who we met last year, is a white male. Don Lemon, are you doing something about that? It's so embarrassing. I got to take a break. Come on back. Michael Pelkin in for Buck Sexton on the Buck Sexton Show. And I'm holding the line for Buck. Michael Pelka is back for Buck, who's got a little break going on leading up to his birthday Friday. Good for you. Happy birthday, Buck. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to everybody. And uh, hopefully the new year will bring us more of the feelings we had today. Today was a terrific day, day after Christmas, back to work, dreading what could be, you know, another bad day on Wall Street. And we have a record setter. 
We had a miraculous day today, and then the news of the president going to visit our troops overseas in a secret mission. And now, uh, after visiting the troops in Iraq, he's in Germany. So, a great day. A great day all around for America. So, God bless us, and thank you. Thank you. It's important to be thankful. I, I realize that more and more. And it doesn't cost you anything to be thankful and grateful. I mentioned earlier a couple of things that caught my eye, and I've been yammering on some topics for so long, I don't know if I'll get to everything. But I did say that alcohol and coffee can help you live past 90, according to a new study. Researchers say they found people who drink moderate amounts of beer or wine, along with two cups of coffee, increase their chances for a longer life. So you can have a couple cups of coffee and moderate amounts of beer or wine. I've got you covered on this, except I don't drink coffee. The key word, of course, is moderate. And they called this uh, study, which has been going on since 2003. And they've been examining people who are uh, 90 years old, nonagenarians. 1,700 nonagenarians have been monitored since 2003, trying to find the key to living to a 90th birthday and beyond. And they found, among other things, that people who drank moderate amounts of alcohol or coffee lived longer than those who abstained. And they also found that people who were overweight in their 70s lived longer than normal or underweight people did. So isn't that a little bit comforting to everybody who's got a couple extra pounds? I know the year was so busy you didn't have time to lose 10 pounds. But uh, they don't have an explanation for it yet. But the one of the researchers, Dr. Claudia Cowis, a key researcher in the study, uh, said that uh, she firmly believes that modest drinking improves longevity. They found that two glasses of beer or wine every day decrease the chances of premature death by 18%. Now, I get a lot of heat because I openly admit to drinking wine virtually every day. I don't drink to excess. I don't drink to get drunk. I enjoy a glass of wine or two and sometimes a third. And I promote responsible drinking and not drinking and driving. But this is good news. They still say exercise is good, and I I agree. I think you have to be able to endure your life, not just to sit there like a blob. But alcohol and coffee, uh, we are now being told alcohol and coffee can lead you to a life beyond the, the age of 90. And even a couple extra pounds. This I bring good news from the world of science, people. This fantastic news. Now, this other study, I mentioned it earlier, that claims 70% of the people in the country, adults, 70% of the people in the country um, had um, conjugal relations on Christmas Day. I thought about this, and I said, now, how did they get this figure? How did they get to this? Well, they used a couple of things to figure it out. One is uh, births, babies. 
they tracked when babies were born and they back-timed it, basically. And I don't know if you've done this, but as one of nine kids, I know that we have in over the course of the years tried to figure out when we were created. At what point were each one of us, uh, the spark of our lives started? So they go back from uh, birth months from August and September. And those seem to have uh, a corresponding relationship to this study of Americans being frisky during the winter months, especially during the holiday season when cuddling is very, very much a part of our culture. And they are now saying, according to this survey, which does come from a company that uh, oddly enough makes its money by selling uh, what we would call um, adult devices. But they're saying Eden Fantasies put together this uh, study and the statistics that say 70% of adults claim they had sex on Christmas Day. I'm questioning their facts. Just saying. Not sure if that's completely accurate. Also, I'm here in Chicago, and uh, one of the big news stories today in Chicago, there's uh, two news stories that involve uh, the Windy City here. One of them talks about uh, the planned January 19th Women's March, which has now been scuttled. Chicago had set up uh, plans for yet another annual Women's March, and uh, they're canceling this one. The uh, save the date card you got is invalid. Take it off the fridge. Go to the Facebook page of the Women's March in Chicago if you want to see what happened. Now, why? Why was this march, which has had hundreds of thousands of women attend in the past, why was this canceled? Oh, it's a little problem with the leaders of the march. Sarah Kerensky, the Women's March uh, Chicago board member, says there's no march, there's no rally. We're going to provide ways for people to organize and take action in their local communities. The problem is... Members of the Women's March are associated with bad people. People like, oh, I don't know, Louis Farrakhan, one of the biggest anti-Semites on the planet. A guy whose organization, the Nation of Islam, openly hates Jews. And when you talk about Judaism as a gutter religion, and you talk about the Jews as the enemy of you, I got a problem with that, Minister Farrakhan. So uh, the, uh, the Women's March, which has some people who are associated with Louis Farrakhan, and they've been asked, some of the women have been asked to resign, and they haven't. They've been asked to resign over their relationship with Farrakhan, a really bad guy. And yet they wouldn't, so the Women's March got heat here in Chicago, and they've canceled it. The other woman who's involved with this women's march, Linda Sarsour, who I think is a dangerous individual. She's someone who would support Sharia law. She's the woman you've seen her with the headscarf. I saw her rallying in uh, D.C. I was in the Senate building covering the women's uh, Me Too angry moments inside the Senate building during the Kavanaugh hearings. And Linda Sarsour was there rallying the sisters against Kavanaugh's nomination. 
She's someone who has campaigned for people who support Sharia law in America. People in Michigan who were running for office, thank God they didn't win. And uh, I, I would tend to believe that Sarsour is probably somebody who does not have a problem with female genital mutilation. I haven't had a chance to ask her that question, but I seem to recall there may have been a memory about that. But Chicago's, uh, the other thing about the Women's March, the Chicago's Women's March that's been canceled January 19th. If you had plans to be in Chicago, I hope you bought the travel insurance. It's worth it sometimes. But here's the question I have. I grew up in Chicago. I was born and raised on the south side of this city. Still a Bear fan, still a White Sox fan, not so much a a Bulls fan anymore. And uh, I support my Chicago Blackhawks, even though we kind of stink on ice this year. But I know the city. I don't know who in their right mind would plan a rally in January. Who would put a rally on the lakefront on January 19th? Who would do that? What kind of an idiot says, you know, it would be smart. Let's all get together and stand on the lakefront in the middle of January in Chicago. That's just stupid. So maybe they're changing it because of that. But it really has more to do with the fact that they were getting tremendous pushback against their movement and this rally because of Louis Farrakhan, because of some of the bad people they're associated with. And I, for one, am glad to see that they're actually having to uh, shut it down. The other thing in Chicago that happened, I mentioned this earlier today, uh, the Chicago mayoral candidate, a guy who was Barack Obama's one-time chief of staff, um, Bill Daly. He was a senior advisor to the, to the president. Bill Daly, relative of the Daly family that basically has run Chicago for decades. A couple of other people jumped in here and there. But uh, Mayor Richard J. Daly and his son, both ran this city for, uh, I think it was over 25 years each. But Bill Daly has now uh, put his name in the list of people who want to run for the mayor's office in Chicago. And he has suggested that they rename a portion of the Dan Ryan Expressway as the Barack Obama Expressway. Now, there are problems already because Chicago already has part of I-95 called the Barack Obama Highway. And Dan Ryan, the guy that the road was named after, was a key player in the interstate highway system development. So the Dan Ryan family's mad about this. And there are people saying, there are actually people like Barack Obama who say, well, wait a minute. And if you want to know more of the details on it, our friend Emily Zanotti of The Daily Wire has written up the story about the problems with this. But she points out that back in October, the Dan Ryan, which would then be called the Barack Obama Highway, was the scene of at least four shootings. Four shootings in October. At least one of the person in that that round of shootings died. In August, two men were shot and one was killed on the Dan Ryan. And in just the last week, two men have been shot on the Dan Ryan. I don't know if Obama wants this road named after him. I just remember as a kid growing up, driving from the south side to the north side and back to visit relatives. My father often called it the Dan Ryan Expressway. Maybe that's the appropriate 
name for this highway. Michael Pelka, step it aside. When we get back, I have to tell you the story of the $2 million bathroom in New York City. It's just craziness. It's the Buck Sexton Show. Come on back. Michael Pelka in for Buck Sexton, wrapping up what has been uh, a blink of an eye. I love the way this show moves, and I wish... I wish we had the ability to have included your calls today. We had a few problems technically, but we got through it. I didn't get to the weird story about Kevin Spacey in that video he posted after being charged with indecent assault, indecent sexual assault and battery. I didn't get to the story of a Barbie apparently has gotten chunky or maybe more realistic. And I think that's okay. Didn't get to the story about how the networks are promoting an 11-year-old dancing in bars and getting money thrown at the child. Yeah, it's okay if the kid's trans. But can you imagine 11-year-old girl dancing in a gentleman's club? Uh, There would be appropriate outrage, just as there should be in this case. But no, we're going to promote it because... It's a trans kid who dresses in drag. It's disgusting. And then I want to give a salute out to John Stossel, who's always out there digging. And John Stossel has a report that he has posted on YouTube about the $2 million bathroom in a park in New York. Not in Central Park, but in I think this is one of the outer boroughs. I'll give you a little surprise, a little sample here. Here it is. This little building is a $2 million bathroom. $2 million? I had to check it out. I was expecting gold-plated fixtures. It's just a toilet, a couple urinals, two sinks, $2 million? $2 million was spent on this building in New York. $2 million on a tiny building. And if you bought a, uh, a home in the neighborhood in this, in this little part of New York, it looks like Brooklyn or Queens, you could buy a four-bedroom, two-bathroom house for uh, $650,000. And Stossel tried to find out why, why this costs so much. And what he found out was kind of astonishing. The thing costs more when government builds it. Washington, D.C.'s visitor center was supposed to cost $265 million. It ended up costing $600 million. The Veterans Affair Medical Center near Denver was projected to cost $590 million. Now they estimate $1.7 billion. Government spends more because every decision is tied up in endless rules. Minority outreach, wheelchair access, zoning rules, and much more. Your department puts out a statement, the current estimate to build a new bathroom is $3 million. It is now approaching, in some cases, going over $3 million. Mitchell Silvers. It's just disgusting. When you see what goes on, and Stossel points out that a, a private partnership in Bryant Park, which runs that park in Midtown Manhattan, rebuilt bathrooms for under a half a million dollars. But no, this tiny structure, this little bitty basic industrial bathroom cost the taxpayers of New York $2 million. And another one will cost them 3 to $4 million. You should check out John Stossel's stuff. It's brilliant. 
It's brilliant. Also, um, if you're interested in World War One and you're a historian, look up Peter Jackson, the guy who did the uh, Lord of the Rings and all those movies. He has a movie coming out one day only tomorrow. He's taken old footage from World War One, colorized it, and hired people to do lip reading and get the real story of the soldiers from World War One. I'm going to be covering it and will be reporting on it as well. And so I thank you for uh, being with me tonight on a special night where we mark the anniversary of the guy who taught me about free speech. My dad, F. Gregory Opelka, passed away two years ago today. Taught me that after the First Amendment, everything else comes second. Testudo, my friends. Testudo. <laughs>